The Five Rings Podcast with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramay on the Sport Podcasting Network. Follow us and listen to us live on Twitter at Five Rings Podcast and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sports Podcasting Network for more content. Good day, good night, welcome to the Fabrics Podcast. I'm Kev Larmy, joined by Dwayne Rollins as we break down day four in Beijing 2022. February 8th is all wrapped up and we'll set up the table for February 9th at the end of the show, even looking at the medal standings and the official medal standings, which counts gold medals before everything else because that's how the world works, gold in front of everything else. But first, Dwayne, how are you today? Are you telling me that first is more important than third, Kevin? Well, to the surprise of many that were given trophies for every single spot they finished in every single sport <laughs> they played, uh, first is first, and when you're third, you're not first. So um, you have not won if you're not first. Well, this is funny because Kevin's a millennial here, and I, I, I'm the Gen Xer. So, like, I he, really, you are the one that should be saying that you, we have, should have the participation. Yeah, no. So well, you know, I, I, I was like. When I received like, oh, here's your medal. I was like, why, why do I have a medal? Because you, you participated in the tournament. I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't finished, win anything. I 12. What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I was literally like, that's not real. That's where my illusion and innocence was lost when I was given a trophy. And I was like, well, we finished last. We sucked. We were the worst T-ball team in the history of this tournament. Here's your trophy. No, you can keep your trophy. Give me good teammates instead. <laughs> Damn, we're having some 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 deep cuts here. But anyway, no, yeah, you know, the, the gold medal is should be should be what's considered first. So yes, what CBC is telling you is not true. Uh, Canada is not yeah. fifth or fourth or whatever they're telling us. But here we are. No, Canada's eleventh. But speaking of gold medal or lack thereof, I'm looking at you, USA. I'm looking at you, the United States of America, with your lack of gold medals after day four. Still, six days of full competition, pretty much. Four silvers, one bronze for five total medals. And, yeah, that's not great for USA. They're winning for their gold. There's been a couple of bad bounces here and there. And you can parlay those bad bounces with a defeat against Canada yesterday in hockey. And uh, the feeling surrounding these games is, well, they're starting... A bit slow for Team USA. They are, and it, it's a bit odd because we're used to watching the Americans be the top of everything, right? Like it, it's it's not something that we expect to see for them to be struggling this much, but they they absolutely have been, and they've been they've been struggling in the competitions that they want to be successful in, the competitions that they have a lot of attention to. Uh, we watch the reason the schedule is the way it is is because NBC wants to put certain sports on at certain times, but they <laughs> exactly. haven't been doing very well in those sports, have they? Which is funny because, uh, yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking too. Like, oh, yeah, they're doing great. It's going to be perfect, 11 p.m., and then Canada just, just wins. Marie-Philippe Poulain with the late goal, by the way, I have to. It's a tradition on this show where I guess I just say congratulations, Marie-Philippe Poulain, for scoring a clutch goal which is uh, always happens. And in that game, there was weird things that happened too. You know, that American player who slashed the referee without wanting it to, poor referee, is going to the side of the, <laughs> to the, like, to the benches and she's bleeding. It's like, yeah, it, who said it was easy to be a referee even at the Olympics? Oh, no, wow. That was that was a big cut too, like under... under yeah. Yeah. You can see the blade of the of the stick hit her right underneath the visor, like literally like a millimeter. And you have like 38 cameras in the arena or something. So you have like five different angles of the blade hitting your face. It was like almost a bit too much. Yeah, she's going to have a permanent sort of scar. Souvenir. Her there. Yeah. <laughs> like, any proof that you were a ref- that you were refereeing in Beijing? Yeah. Look at my nose. You see? There's missing a piece? Yeah, it's in Beijing. Um, I, I'll tell you what. I, I played hockey for like 16 years. Um, so I played at, I wouldn't say a high level, but I played at a level. And I refereed at, at levels as well. And the only time I was ever really hurt was refereeing. It's dangerous out there. You get hit. You get hit by pucks. You get hit by sticks. You get hit by everything. Yeah. You know, you know what's, what's harder than playing is trying to be out of the play. <laughs> it's it's like it's one of the hardest thing to do in trying to not be in people's way 
there's right hundred percent because and look the, the the players are never happy with you when you get in their way because <laughs> exactly or out they, if you're too much out like you're too far away you can't uh, see the action yeah i'll tell you what i the, the one time i really got caught very badly when i played hockey when, when i was involved in hockey was refereeing dropped the puck stick came up boom <laughs> the eye yeah blood Yikes. that's probably like it happened so many times like in the face yeah. out <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and good, for, good for her for continuing on. Exactly. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But this was a good day of action. Just a, a couple of storylines that came out of this day. We're going to talk about it. And I kept my big storylines for a couple of my medals. I do have some side conversation pieces with my medals today, which is going to be fun when we get there. But let's start. And Dwayne, yesterday we started with you. Day two, we did with me. We'll start with me today on day four. And I want to start with my wood medal that encompasses a few things. It's been four full days of competition, so it's not just a small sample size. There's been a few articles written about it. The most famous one is on the BBC right now, BBC website, bbcworldnews.com. And it's about the treatments of athletes, especially the ones in isolation, the ones that have to quarantine. A certain aspect of these Olympics are different than what athletes are used to. Uh, poor food choices is one example that is not fully corroborated, but there's been a few instances. And the one case of the ROC athlete that has been given the same food four times a day, well, three times a day, four days in a row, that hasn't been corroborated, that version. But there's been other version that has been made public and has been verified where same food choices and the treatments for when you're quarantined versus the treatment when you're not are not the same and you can't even maintain your level of fitness you don't they're not given the right infrastructures the athletes are not treated the same just because of where they're from also some bigger part of the world that have a bigger olympic committee will be treated in a certain way and if you're not from them and you get quarantined you're treated another way also if we're looking at decision-making process for cross-country skiing. It was extremely cold where they held the skiing venues. And according to International Skiing Federation laws, if it's under minus 20, you're not supposed to take part. You're not supposed to have your competition. It's supposed to be delayed until the weather permits it. Well, there's kind of like a loophole where the Beijing organizers, well, well, that's, that's without wind chill so even if it's minus 31 with wind chill you can still go out and ski which led us to see the uh, one of the biggest fashion faux pas <laughs> in the olympics this year which is a lot of cross-country skiers paying homage to the ultimate warrior and wearing a mask <laughs> in their face that looks a lot like an 80s wrestling painting job yeah that was very cold for them but there's a lot of little things like this pulled together that shown that the athletes are not treated to what we would call Olympic standards. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I, I don't know what more to say, but other than the fact that, that they shouldn't be doing that, but this, this is the thing that the Olympics have done for a long time is it's, it's about the TV. It's about making sure you put the, the show on, but not necessarily about putting the best competition forward and and certainly we're seeing that a bit of that right now that food photo that went out is like i wouldn't i wouldn't eat that kevin that food photo that went out no. hasn't been collaborated as you said but yeah and the bbc is very careful but they did publish it in their article saying look this is from the official account of that athlete we just can't confirm that that picture is what it says it is but it was a very dismal picture that even in hospitals, where it's considered bad places to get food, they wouldn't serve it. It's like a handful of pastas with some red sauce next to it, burnt potatoes, charred meat on a stick, and a couple other questionable food items. And knowing multiple people who are working at the games right now in different many positions, because of the different works I do for a living, I do know that some of the test events and a few months ago when they were testing stuff... The way that some of the food, the way of a few things that were given to employees and stuff was really questioning. And they prepared accordingly, bringing their own food provisions with them for the month of the Olympics, which is, was a really good idea. The athletes and stuff, like it, it, I think it goes deeper. And as much as 
people think it's cool to have robots serving you. It's not necessarily efficient. And there's a the whole lot of things that we don't see that some of the athletes, especially once you test positive or once you're you're on the outs or against them, or if you feel they're against you, it's not the same treatment. And that is a bit unfortunate. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're from Canada or you're from Cameroon or wherever you're from. You should get the same treatment regardless of the political views of your country when you get to the Olympic Games. And I want to add one thing to this medal, and we'll talk about this issue more later on. But the whole Peng Shui situation that happened in, in uh, Beijing yesterday, she was brought in by the International Olympic Committee. She did a big interview with L'Equipe Peng Shui, Chinese tennis player, one of the best in the world, who last November went public saying she was sexually harassed and assaulted by an official of the Chinese government. Since then, there's been a whole lot of, first of all, a lot of worry from the WTA because she was... She was missing. She did not show up to some commitment that she was not answering calls. And that was a big concern for the entire world. And this was her first public outing at one event yesterday, which was the big air with Island Gu One. We'll talk about it later. But all this together, it was to be expected. But also the propaganda opportunities that have been seen from the International Olympic Committee with China so far have left me also a bit cold because it's it looks to me like they're like look you guys know we're gonna try this so we're not gonna be really overt we're not gonna do as much as you guys would think but just once in a while during these games we'll be like you know here we're good people we're we're good a good regime look nothing happened with Peng Shui she, she's okay everything's great it just feels a bit well because it is but it's all very much a bit orchestrated uh yeah 100% like I mean first off I believe women, so uh, that's just say that up front when it comes to her situation. It's unfortunate. It's not even the right way to put it. But when it comes to China and when it comes to orchestrating things, it is what it is at this point. You just got to have a critical eye when you look at all of it, right? And it, it's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, here we are. I mean, we're, we're talking about this still, uh, and this is an unfortunate situation based on the fact that the games are in a place that it is. And I, I think it's, I, I feel for the Chinese people because they want their games to be successful. They want their country to be viewed in a certain way, but their government is what it is. And I don't know more to say about that. I'm not even sure I'm saying this in a great articulate way right now either, but it's just kind of sad. Anyway, that, that that's all I got to say about that. So that's my wood medal for day four. It's the overall <laughs> athlete treatments when it comes to all these situations. And we'll continue to talk about the uh, the Peng Shui situation also because the big story in L'Equipe. And L'Equipe was very open in how they were treated for this. They were saying that we weren't censored, but the answers she was given were also, yes, Arranged the questions were given. They also were given free range to ask new questions, and they were given double the time that first allowed it. But there was also some conditions, and it never, in their own words, they still couldn't answer the question as if, is Peng Shui saying the words she want to say. They couldn't. They couldn't know, and that's also part of the story. Yeah, I'm sure that they've dealt with that situation however they wanted to deal with it but it's not in any way that makes them look poor i mean but but it does because we all see it right anyway it's it is what it they is. think they, it doesn't look poor because look no see no problem we gave free reign for an interview with peng shui we did nothing wrong everything's great yes yeah. but it's the yes but anyways that's my wood medal for today yeah yeah and here we are and look china does a lot of good stuff but they also do a lot of really bad stuff. So here you go. My wood metal, Kevin, is going to be a little less serious, if that's okay. But uh, in fact, it's going to be a little weird, a little ironic even. I'm going to give my wood medal to the Swedish women's hockey team, who just won a minute ago, as we're recording right now. They Three actually one, yeah. have advanced to the quarterfinals. But this is Sweden, and this is hockey, and it took them every effort that they had to get through. And I want to ask a question of why the women's hockey team in Sweden is so bad. Why are you not supporting oh, hmm. your women's team this much? Why Interesting. Is, 
politically speaking, it would be interesting to answer that question. Uh, where yeah. the, where is Sweden leaning towards the inclusion of women's sports in the investment and funding of said sport versus the men's And this sport? is a country, Kevin, that we generally think of as being progressive. So Yeah, that changed about four years ago. Yeah, it, it's a very confusing situation. And they... They fell out of Group A of the Women's World Hockey Championship. Sweden is in Group B. Sweden is in Group B of the Women's World Hockey Championship. So when it comes to the women, they're playing like with the Hungarys and that of the world, which, you know, all respect the Hungary so, and that, but they don't have a hockey program normally, right? No, so and they won 3-1 against Denmark. And Denmark, it was, well, it was 2-1 at the end of the game. It could have been 2-2. They could have tied it up. They got a penalty here and there, but a different balance of the puck on the boards... And, you know, Denmark could have got the equalizer. You're right. Sweden might be top of these games because of the amount of cross-country skiing medals they got and that they're going to continue to get. But in the hockey side, you're right. They are very disappointing so far on the women's side. Yeah, and we'll see what they do in the men's side. But it's like, it doesn't really matter about that because what I want to ask the question is what I just did. is like, why aren't they supporting this? A program that finished second, that got the silver medal. Uh, what was that, three Olympics ago, and they haven't done anything. In fact, they've gone backwards since. They are not a program that you look at in any way whatsoever as moving forward. We need other women's programs other than the big two, and that game, we're going to talk more about that game in a minute. That game last night between the U.S. and Canada was amazing. It's the best hockey game I've seen this year. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good game. It was a very fast-paced game, too. Exactly, but the rest of the world, well... The big countries in the rest of the world, because you know what? God bless Denmark. God bless Japan, China. Those countries are doing to watch. great. Yeah, they're they're trying, and you can tell they're giving the effort, and they're progressing. But no, that's a great uh, great choice for you, Wood Battle. Yeah, and, well, and you know, and and all due respect to the athletes in Sweden that are doing what they can, but it's the, the federation that I'm giving my Wood Medal to today. We'll play Canada, I believe, in the quarterfinals. So here you go. Well, that's going to well, be fun for them, I'm sure. So I'm, I'm sure that's what they got. That's what the, the teams, are, that's what the players are going to say during the game. Yeah, this is fun. I'm sure that's what they got. I'm sure the goalkeeper for Sweden is going to say, "Wow, this is fun." During the take game, take the plus. Take, take the, the plus. plus. I don't care yeah. what the number is. Take, take the, the plus. over. Take the over. All right, let's move to my poutine medal for this day and uh, Dwayne and I haven't told each other our medals so maybe we don't have the the same one hopefully my poutine medal is to a 17 year old Dwayne 17 year old Olivia Asselin she's got an 8th place in the world which is pretty insane in Big Air she's 17 years old and she finished 8th at the Big Air competition first time this competition is in the Olympics and she surprisingly won the bronze in the X Games in 2022. Took place in Aspen a few weeks ago. And she is showing a great growth. And for a 17-year-old to position herself as one of the top 10, one of the best in the world in her discipline is amazing. She's going to continue to grow in four years' time in Milano Cortina d'Ampezzo. She will be one of the athletes to Keep an eye on for the podium. She's showing a grace, a maturity that is rare. And at 17 years old, she still says that her specialty is more slope style. Recently, her results would say that her biggest potential might be the big gear. It's a great story. Very young still. A name to remember. Olivia Asling. And I love I love that competition so much. We're going to talk about it more later, so we'll leave it at that. It, it's a good, good poutine medal. Uh, I hope she enjoys her fries and gravy because uh, it, I hope she, she actually it. has a poutine because it should be good. She deserves it. Yeah, and speaking of people that deserve a poutine, I'm going to give my poutine medal today to Scott Gal, who finished fifth in the 20k biathlon and fifth place is no joke. So and, much so that we'll talk about him later too. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That's it's an incredible performance in a sport that Canada is not really known for. And so far on these games, now we have two events that Canada is not really known for that they've had incredible results in. James and Crawford or Jack Crawford, depending on how you want to call him, finished fourth in the men's downhill, which is one of the events that Drain's referring to, uh, which was the best result since Ed Podborski. 
at the Olympics in the men's downhill, which is a long time ago. Dwayne could talk to you about it. And <laughs> also, Steve, but yeah. Steve, exactly. So long ago that I, I misnamed him. <laughs> exactly. Steve, who's from Dom Mills, Ontario, which it always blows my mind. There was a, there's a woman from, um, from Scotland that finished fifth in the, uh, in the big air too. So that, that blew my mind how, how yeah. someone from Scotland is a world-class athlete on skis. So well, big amazing. air is it's good because it's, it's on a hill. So you don't, you don't necessarily need uh, something big to, to, to just go to, straight down. You just get exactly insane, be absolutely insane and jump off and flip around. Exactly. You're like, you know, this jump that you don't see the landing yet. Yeah, jump off of it. Trust me. It'll be fine. <laughs> like what? Huh? You want me to go where? No, thanks. I love these people. They are amazing. They entertain me greatly, but they are not. They're well. nuts. <laughs> They're nuts. They're not well and not at all. All right. That is a green Putimelo. We'll come back and talk about Scott Gow and I'll go with my bronze. We're not going to spend too much time on my bronze because I have a feeling you're going to talk about that athlete too. But the reason why I put it to bronze is because it would have been my gold. But because of the Peng Shui situation that happened in that event, I have to bump it down twice. So I'm talking about Eileen Gu. Who was uh -huh. born in the USA but representing China. She won gold medal in the bigger competition that we just talked about. But during that competition, Peng Shui was shown to the crowd. Peng Shui had this moment and she was seen and the IOC took a lot of pictures of Peng Shui assisting, uh, well, uh, attending this victory and cheering on the Chinese Eileen Gu. This whole thing, the whole thing of... The political aspect of the fact that they really do mention that she was born in the USA and chose to represent China. They're really hitting the nail on the head there. They want to make sure you knew that she chose China over USA. And the whole Peng Shui situation bumped it down from gold to bronze for me. But the jump itself is worthy of a gold medal on any day. Yeah, I am going to have her a little bit higher, in fact as high as I can put her. I'll say that right now. That's just saying, I have her as my gold. And I will, I'll, the reason I did is because that performance, performance was amazing. And it was, and her smile is, it lights up a room. Like she's an incredible athlete, right? And we can't get inside her head and decide why she's chosen to represent this regime, which I have issues with. I think, Kevin, you have issues with. I, I don't want to speak for you, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. But she did, and she performed at the highest level. So absolutely, that that entire competition, the Big Air was amazing. All of those athletes, the the French athlete, the Scottish girl, I just talked about all of them. So, so the French athlete, her name is Tess Ledeur. So you know what that means? Le deux means the two, basically, as in the, T-H-E, and two, the number two. And yeah. she finished second. <laughs> the, the, yeah. <laughs> that was very funny, that le two finished, the le deux finished second. Yeah, fair enough. And she had, she was incredible. Like, she's, they're all amazing. That entire sport is incredible. It was such a fun event. And we have like much more. We have the this the snowboard version of it. We have another the nail version of that. It, it's yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it. It's incredible to watch. But they all are nuts, and they all are amazing, and I love them all. But but yeah, uh, Elaine Gu is my gold medal. I'll tell you now. But she's your bronze for the reason you said, and we should say that. And we can only ask her why she chose to. Well, and you know, she, for her reason might be pure and valid, right? If she feels yeah. that it's to, to honor her, her parents and her mother, and yeah, why are we to say anything like that? Hopefully, that's, that's what it is for sure. And even if it's not, it's, it's her own decision. But to me, it's more how they're making sure that anytime an official Chinese government or IOC is talking about her, that they don't just say the Chinese athlete; they say the American-born Chinese athlete, which hits it over and really make it puts the emphasis on she decided that. And it, as a political component, you can just say the Chinese athlete, which would be accurate also. No, 100%. And look, I have trouble with that aspect of the Olympics more than anything else, the nationalism aspect to it. And I have trouble with it because I also feed into it, right? I don't I, I may not have ever seen some whatever athlete from wherever before, but if he has that maple leaf on it, I'm going to cheer for him. And that's nationalism. And I, I, I appreciate that it plays into that, but sometimes it's not attractive, right? 
it's not not great. But what I will say is that she's an incredible athlete, and yeah. what she did was inspirational. That I saw her do on the field, on the on the slope. So that's that's what I'm going to focus on. So we did two woods, two poutine, one bronze. We got one bronze, there's two silvers, and two golds to go. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about Dwayne's bronze medal for day four, and we'll give you the most important medals of the day, which is the silver and gold. After this short break. And we're back on the Five Rings Podcast. I'm Kev Larmey, joined by Dwayne Rollins, as always. Dwayne, your bronze medal for day four. We've been bashing the Americans a little bit today, so I'm going to give them a bronze medal. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. That's that's what they have the most, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> Nathan Chen, uh, he hasn't got his medal yet. He probably will break their little uh, problem they have there with, with in the men's uh, figure skating. He broke a world record. Yesterday in the short program, you know, look, it, it, figure skating, I think, is is, suffer, is having a moment right now. It's trying to figure out where it exists. In, in, <laughs> it's in the bottom of the popularity wave. Let's be honest. It's in the it's in a down cycle. Yeah. And I don't know what the answer is. And it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have. And, and I I. I very much respect what figure skating is, but I also cannot argue with you. First off, Nathan Chen broke a world record. Great performance. That's what we want to say. He's my bronze medalist, but I can't get into this competition, Kevin. I really can't. It's on my third TV. It's on my big TV, actually. It's on main <laughs> CBC, but it's on mute. <laughs> and the figure skating on mute is basically just just people skating because <laughs> there's it's, no music you know but i get it no i'd say i i respect the talent and the grace and the fact that i can never do any <laughs> of the move that they do does it mean that i want to watch them no but like you're going to probably say i know my parents love to watch it oh god my mom loves to watch it my mom makes me message her every day during the olympics to tell her when the skating is on the skating and the diving. That's my mom. God bless you, Gail. And there's, and That's what she wants. And there's a lot of your mom. In, well, there's only one of her. Good. But <laughs> meaning there's a lot of similar mentality, which they would love to watch it. They watch it religiously every four years. But it's interesting to me to see the continuous evolution of that sport versus the young generation and how to draw them in to this competition. I don't know anyone. I mean, I'm not young anymore but i don't really know anyone that participates in speed skating anymore like it's just not or sorry in figure skating anymore i said speed skating but it, it's just interesting like when i was growing up it was common for people to yeah in canada anyway to participate i just don't see it in the same way anymore. i guess it's a bit I, more I like niche it. maybe it's a bit more niche it's also maybe a demographic that you don't that maybe don't have you know, as much access to it could be that yeah but I also think that it's it could be a bit more niche than it was. And it's also, it depends. Big cities, it's a bit less popular. You go outside, and we're talking about this off air together the other day, is you do have an aspect of it where in smaller towns, it'll be very popular. And I equivalent to another sport like cheerleading or something similar that even in school, you, you, you might never see or have a friend that does it, but there's a lot of people that does the sport. I remember in high school, there was a couple, of, or more in elementary school, there was a couple of girls in our school that were figure skaters, too. And we all knew who they were, and they were kind of like stars for that, because they could do like, they could twist on, on the ice. So every time we were going to hockey practice or skating practice, and they were there, ah, can you can you twist for us? But you're right, maybe it's not something that is as prevalent, or if it is, it's a bit more niche in society. 100%, Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Look, I mean, it is niche, I think. And I want to say this. I do very much respect the talent that they, they bring. What they do is incredible. I skate. I'm I'm a good skater. I, I played hockey my whole life. I would 
estimate that I am amongst the top 5% of skaters in the world, which doesn't say much because I live in Canada, which means I'm, you know, the top 50% of skaters in this country. But they're incredible what they do. But it's just not, it's a sport that needs to figure itself out. And it's a sport that it started to lose its way in the 90s. Like it used to be the top of the entire Winter Olympics. It was the Winter Olympics in the 90s. Like it, it was. And for yeah, a lot well, of reasons that were their own fault. Yeah, well, the corruption, way. corruption doesn't help. I think also the pointing system and the way it's not as instinctual right now for the Lehman makes a big difference where you have to follow the the, the yellow box, the green box, and X's instead of just seeing a 10 or not seeing a 10, right? That made a big difference in the whole, but it's more fair now. But yeah, something to ponder and to think about and maybe a bit later in why we don't feel the same way about figure skating. Yeah, well, it's funny because the the point system, yeah, I agree. The way they do it now is is not that engaging. You're like, oh, no, he didn't get the element. Oh, yeah, he got the element, which is great because you're taking the subjectivity out of it, but it's about artistic. It's about movement and about grace and <laughs> grace. And all these things are subjective, so exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, the reason we're here is because we Because were people there. were given money or opportunities, and because they were like, okay, well, you give me money, I'll give you a 10. There's a great, on uh, Netflix, there's a great documentary about the 2002 figure skating competition, the, the doubles, yep. uh, uh, Jamie Soleil and, and Peltier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Just it's watch called, that, uh, but... the whole series called Bad Sport is amazing. It's amazing. That episode is really good. The one on the Arizona State Sun Devils uh, scandals in the early 90s about point chanting is also very fascinating. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great show. <laughs> I've watched yeah. it twice and I'm like, dude, I want to watch it again. It's just amazing, but no, you're right. Yeah, you, you just wish you were, you, you had the... You the wish you knew. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was alive in the 90s. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Put, put the put money on Arizona State? All right, I'm going to do that. Uh, uh, anyway, college basketball. Got to love it. College basketball. It's the time to pay attention, by the way, right now. Yeah, we got another month. It's fine. We no, no, can no, have no. a show you if you do. want. Well, I, I do. So <laughs> you'll find that later today on Betting on Sports Podcast. All right. My silver for, let's go through this. We've been talking too much already. We're 35 minutes in already. We haven't even gone to the good part. Uh, we'll go quickly because you mentioned it already. My silver medal is Scott Gow, who finished fifth. Rarely a medal is Rarely do I have one of my medals not being an actual medal, but Scott Gow of Canada finished fifth in the biathlon, in the 20-kilometer biathlon. And I was looking at his track record. This is one of his best performances ever. He finished 14th in Pyeongchang in the same discipline, the 20-kilometers individual. He finished 61st in the sprint and 11th with the relay in 2018. If we just look at a World Cup level, in the World Championships, 40th, 80th, 26th, 43rd, 18th, 63rd, 31st. Those are all results that he had over the last six, seven World Championships. And uh, he finished fifth at the Olympics. So, oh, outperforming your personal best on the biggest stage, representing Canada, doing one of the best performances ever for Canada in the men's individual biathlon, 20 kilometers, and doing so, which a very good result with, quite honestly, one of the best results in biathlon ever, I thought was really fascinating. And to me, I do like that competition too. I like the French, the French guy who won. I don't have him in my medal, so I can talk about him. Quentin Filion Maillet, who won the gold medal. He had a great story with his father and grandfather, and he told them that he wanted to win for them and told them, no, you win for you. And for us too, but you went for you. And he came out and he actually did a performance that was really surprising. And this Frenchman won a lot of people's affection with how he was celebrating on the podium too. It was beautiful to see. But the Canadian, Scott Gow, fifth, is my silver medal for today. Look, I mean, I, I put him on my poutine. It's going to be one of the most incredible performances by a Canadian athlete in this entire Olympics, but it's not going to appear on the little CBC graphic ever, right? Because he's fifth. And what's fifth mean? And this is my issue. And when we started Five Rings, I love the, I still love the Olympics. It's my favorite thing ever. Um, it, it really is. I, I think anyone who knows me knows this. But 
I think what I grew to appreciate uh, having done this show and having talked to some Olympians from having done this show is how amazing it is to finish fifth. Fifth is incredible. It's an amazing situation. If you finish fifth in the Olympics, God bless you. You are an amazing human being that I, I'm yeah. jealous of. So, yeah. <laughs> and to, to, to use the words of another athlete we've talked about who finished fourth, which was James, a.k.a. Jack Crawford, he uses both names internet interchangeably, if you're wondering why. So for Crawford, he was mentioning after finishing fourth in the men's downhill that, you know, I'm actually disappointed. This is my best race ever. This is my <laughs> best finish ever. I'm even going to get some World Cup points out of it. And the rest of my season and the next couple of seasons will be better because of it on the World Cup standings. And in ski, it makes a big difference. Your start time and the where you start, which means you'll start where the conditions are best. Is, is helpful. But he was saying how, you know what? If you got to get there, it's the Olympics. You want to be on the podium. That's what it's all about. Like, it's so close. But you're right. But that, I can only imagine how Scott Gow feels. But again, personal bests, fifth in the world in a sport where you're not known to be the greatest. And then you look at the same results or results of the same magnitude and some athletes just perform better when the five rings banner is there. And Scott Gow is one of them. He was close. Just a just a one miss target maybe away from being on the podium, but you know that's that's what it's all about. But it was a beautiful competition. I do like the course. It's a shame that it's so cold that <laughs> the athletes almost get uh, their guns stuck to their gloves. But you know it is what it is. It, no, hundred percent. If I was him, if I was Scott, I would have fifth place just tattooed on my shoulder, right there. I would talk sir, to anyone sir, who wanted to talk to me about it. Why is there a big five tattooed on your forehead? Oh, <laughs> why? You're asking me why? Well, there was one time, sir, I finished fifth at the Olympics, and I decided to tattoo it on my face so that everyone would know it. Yeah, that might be a bit much, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I would. Hey, be, okay, <laughs> maybe the maybe the neck. I guess it's the, it's a new it's a new forehead yeah, tattoo. Yeah, you go. All right, fair enough. So, shall All I right, get my let, silver medal? Give your silver medal before I start talking again. I'm getting my silver medal to the gold medalist of the uh, doubles curling, which I loved so much. So I'm oh, are we going to pronounce their name? Masoner. Is it Masoner? Yeah, the guy I, who is like seven foot tall and can throw a rock as like quicker than Hercules would. Both of them. The Italian doubles, they are the gold medalists. They are perfect. They are incredible. They are such a great curling team. I love that sport so damn much. I can't help myself. I'm I'm such a geek when it comes to curling. So there you go. I just wanted to just want to make sure that we mention them. And I cannot wait for the force to start, but the doubles are so incredible. TSN, if you're listening, play more doubles. Please show them. I want to watch yeah. more between these games. Please. But anyway, yeah, the, the Italian doubles gold medalists who were perfect. Yeah. So my champions. Stefania Constantini and Amos Mazaner. Went undefeated, won every single game they took part. And that's one of the things I actually enjoy about mixed curling. Is the mixed doubles curling It's not perfect, and there's a lot of mistakes. And even in the last end of that game, we're making mistakes on both sides. But with the talent of Mazoner and the wherewithal of, of Stefania and the tactical genius of Stefania Constantini, she might have played and guided Mazoner to the best run in mixed doubles curling ever. This whole process, they beat the who's who. And we'll see some of those again. But Stefania, uh, the Sweden were really good too. I know, uh, you know, Dwayne likes the vowel, so she was really good. <laughs> uh, but the best team was Italy. And we'll see those again. I believe Stefania is part of the four women curling team, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they, yeah, I think they're both involved. It, it's amazing. Like, it's, it's such a fun sport. And, I've talked to lots of people on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, you know this, that what I compare the doubles to is if you're a, cr a cricket fan out there, it's like T20 versus test cricket, right? Like it's not the traditional version of the sport, but it's a version of the sport that might actually become very popular. So Enjoy it, embrace it. It's a, an amazing version. And there's shot makers. There's, it's all about the shot making. It's about the ability to put the rock down and do stuff with it. And that's the essence of what the sport should be, right? 
It's incredible. I love it. And, and they were an amazing team throughout this competition. And yes, I'm Canadian. As a Canadian curling fan, <laughs> I'm supposed to only cheer for the Canadians. And I was cheering well, for the Canadians. Well, that changes, though. And that's maybe that's where the sport is. It's not just the Canadians anymore. And when you look at it now, it's been a, it's been a while, actually, that Canada's been performing well in every single curling event. If you look on the women's side, we're actually in a bit of a drought. And that tells you the real the real level of of curling and it's not just about the olympics you should look at the world championships and how canada's been struggling lately and the scotty's tournament of heart just wrapped up a couple of days ago and don't ask me why but i know this Dwayne. will <laughs> team einerson continue their struggle at the world championships i think so i think that they won despite of themselves in that tournament and it'll be interesting to see where canada curling goes from now on but you got to step off your pedestal to know that you're having a problem. And that was a trouble for a long time is Curling Canada thought they, that they, whatever they were doing was better than everybody else. And they thought that they could just do that. Now I think they're going to have to be a serious thought process in how they choose teams, how they build the programs for these teams because they need to be battle tested. You can't just put two curlers together and put them in a competition with a gold medal at the end. To be honest, they finish fourth because they're two talented curlers. But if you would have put two other curlers, they could have finished really badly in this competition. And that could have been a tragedy for Curling Canada. And I think that's maybe the first step to realizing that Curling Canada needs to act like where it is in the world. And they're not number one in the world anymore. I, I don't necessarily disagree with anything you just said, but go team Jones, go team Gucci. That's well, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the difference, too, is we're going to see Gushu make it there for the first time in whatever. He never won the Roar of the Ring, right? The first time. I think he did a long time ago in Torino. Anyways, it's a long time ago, but you're right. The two darlings of Curling Canada, Gushu on one side and Jones on the other, are there this time around. The most likable faces in the sports, too, so maybe he will be different this year. Yeah, the, the the very first podcast Kevin and I ever did, I, all I did was talk about Jen Jones. So we're going to talk about Jen Jones again. Older than me. The only athlete in these Olympics older than me. So go, Jen. You do this. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Let's Speaking of old athletes, here is my last gold medal for today. Well, my only gold medal for today. It's a shared one. Two skaters that finished top of the podium in the men's 1500 meters. Noosh. It Tomas Kohl. I took out my best Netherlands pronunciation. I could find. <laughs> thank you, thank you for Vo for for this pronunciation. Sheldoush uh, and Tomas Kohl, of course, won the girl, the bro, the gold, and the silver medal. Important competition. This is the king of distances, and I don't like to use that expression. So, this is the pinnacle of speed skating for men's in the distance. 1,500 meters is the perfect combination of acceleration coming out of the gate strong now and finishing well, which it used to be different when it used to be just how you finish. But now because of the evolution of tactics and and just analytics, they realize that now you got to get out first. You got to hear first 200 meters are really important. And so is your last 200 meters and the 900 in between too. So the entire 1,500 meters are important. And we saw new Olympic record being done in this race. A new Olympic record for Xelnouche, who actually has the world record too, but the world record is so much faster. It's three seconds faster than the new Olympic record. The ice is very slow at the ice ribbon. It's what's called a slow ice. It's a bit too dry. It's slow. It doesn't let you glide as much. And for the, the, the speed skating, the long track, as we call they need more glide to catch the type of speed that you would need to break a world record. There was no, there's not going to be any world record broken on this ice sheet. So you can act accordingly. Olympic records might fall. And we have a new one here. And Tomasz Kohl finished second. The best in the distances, the best in the discipline is the Dutch. Finished one, two with Korean number three. Yeah, the ice is weird there, and and these athletes have to figure it out. And, and the start of this competition at the long track event has been well, the top 
top guys have won, but it, it's been kind of challenging for them. And a lot of folks have, have not skated times that they're particularly yeah. happy with. You're right. So, I just want to add, uh, veterans are doing better on this ice than rookies because of the experience of adapting your stride and your your performance with the ice, knowing what to do on an ice that's not fast versus younger athletes that are usually put in perfect conditions. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch this continue to go through. And, and look, the Canadians have not have had have struggled so far to be blunt other than the one medal that they've had. So if you want to be a little bit patriotic about that, it, it's it's not been a great competition so far. But there, there's still lots of time to go on that one. So, Kevin, I had originally given my gold medal to someone we've talked about already but i'm going to give my gold medal to someone else already is that okay yeah you're going to change so it's it won't be eileen goo it's going to give it to somebody else marie philippe poulin perfect poo captain poo exactly i i think that we need to talk about that woman and that penalty shot was amazing even though i don't think it was actually a penalty shot yeah, I don't think it's it true. Been. but you know why, why say no to history this was the first <laughs> ever Canada goal in regulation on a penalty shot with the women's hockey team. It was amazing. And look, that was a great hockey game and they're going to probably get a chance to play one each, each other once again, but it was incredible. <laughs> and the funny thing, I, I was in Hamilton a few weeks ago. If you listen to soccer today, you know where I'm going with this. And I watched that game where Canada didn't have a lot of the ball, didn't do a lot of attacking, <laughs> but True. really was the better team throughout I kind of thought the game felt the same way. It was like 52 to 12 or something with the shots, but it didn't feel like that, did it? No, and uh, the goalie did bien. You know what her nickname is? Their new, their new nickname? You know, we, we call it the Great Wall of China. Well, it's called, it's called the... I forgot where she's from, but it's uh, I think she's from somewhere... Let's just say she's from, from a small town, not too far from Montreal, but the Great Wall of that name of the small town. So that's, that's <laughs> like, her new nickname, which is... again or something, yeah. Exactly. Um, well, that's what it is, actually. The Great Wall of again. So there you go. But, uh, did that, I just pull that out of my... I don't know. I just think it starts with S and there's an A somewhere in there. And uh, not being the most avid fan of, and player of Wordle, I just can't come up with the name so quickly. <laughs> uh, they're all from again, basically. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and, and Wordle's overrated. Fighting. Look, it was a, it was, it was a, uh, I, I enjoy it. it, it it's fun. It's, it's, I, I, start yeah, yeah. I, I need a, I need a better start word. That's what I need. I need to find a better start word because sometimes when I just... root, I use root. Root's my start word. Well, that has four letters. R O U T E. Oh, oh, as in like route. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like a root, like a like a vegetable. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a yeah, yeah. Go get root because it's got like root six, like root sixty six. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's my start word because it's got the T and it's got the... Yeah, and you uh, know right away the difference. There's an E, but there, if there's yeah, no E, there's an A or an I. So it's like the words in English. You well, get the, one the keys to get the vowels out in the first two exactly. letters, right? Like, yeah, anyway, it's, it's not that hard. It, it, the thing about Wordle is it's not really about vocabulary. It's about strategy, It's about deduction. Right? It's about the, 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 the deducing what the actual word is. On that note, uh, that was, that was uh, fun. Then we can continue to talk about the poo-poo, Captain Poo-poo, Captain of the Canadian women's hockey team, which is the favorite at this point to win the gold medal. They are indeed. Uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin. They, they're is... not in the men's side, and they, they won't be. And uh, when the, the former captain of the Montreal Canadiens of 2012 <laughs> is in the team, yeah, you're not winning the gold medal men's. But you know what? It's okay. We'll cheer on Poupou. Exactly. Uh, it depresses me a little bit that she broke out in 2010, which is 12 years ago. But no, it's, it's I was fine. talking. To, I was just saying that. Uh, well, she did, but she was very young. Uh, but I was talking about the Montreal Canadiens. Oh well, their yeah. captain in 2010 was David Dearnay, and he's one of the players of the Canada team on the men's <laughs> side. So that's what I was saying. I was referring to that because no, uh, the yeah. the hockey players, the, the NHL players, are not there. So. Canada's not winning the gold, and the players of Canada are professionals that are not playing in the NHL. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a stall, but not Eric. Yeah, no, well, no, well, the thing Eric Stall is there, but Eric Stall is old now. Like, <laughs> Eric Stall is retired, anyways. Uh, is he? He should be. It's fine. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> but it's gonna be fun. All right. Let's, as promised, let's look at the medal table. Before we say goodbye. And this is according to Olympics.com. This is the official Olympic table 
of the Olympic Games the way it's supposed to be presented. Gold medals are what dictate the order here. Sweden, with their prowess in the women's cross country and other sports over the last few days, they have four golds, followed by the Netherlands, because of speed skating, <laughs> they're second right now with three golds. China is third with three gold medals. Norway fourth with three gold medals also. ROC, yeah, you know me, number five. <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm going to spend the entirety of the games without saying the R word. Uh-huh. So can, can you smell what's cooking? Got it, yeah. Uh, exactly. And I almost don't want to use that joke, too, because I don't want to insult one of the best wrestlers to ever... ever, ever step foot Exhibit, into the yeah, squared yeah. circle. Austria, Slovenia, Germany, and Italy are rounding up your top 10 with France, Canada, Japan... With all one gold medal, with Switzerland, Australia, Czech Republic, and New Zealand. For New Zealand, for Australia, that was both their first gold medal in the Winter Olympic Games. Congratulations to the two countries of Oceania doing really well in Olympic Games of a season that they do not have. <laughs> exactly. Who needs snow? <laughs> Who needs snow? Just give me, just give me water. Exactly. Well, look, I God, God love New Zealand and, and Australia when it goes to the uh, to the Winter Olympics. God bless them. They're they're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. On that note, we're gonna take an extended break until tomorrow. Tomorrow is day five, and we'll be back to break down our favorite moment of day five. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Five Rings Podcast for this show, at Twenty Fourth Minute for Dwayne, at Kev Laramie for myself podcast version available everywhere you find your favorite podcast also at sportspodcastingnetwork.com and you can find an audio replay on our youtube page youtube.com slash sports podcasting network as always until tomorrow for Dwayne, i'm kevin enjoy your beijing <laughs>